Hello and welcome to Start Your Week. I'm Jacob Jarvis and joining me today is our resident Greek gardening guru, that is Alexandreou. Good morning, Alex. How are you? I'm all right, Jav. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. I'm good. Feels a little bit Groundhog Day at the moment uh, for you and me meeting like this, but the Johnson (laughs) fallout is still going on. So let's talk about that first. Grant Shapps made headlines over the weekend after he said the world has moved on from Boris Johnson. Is that simply very, 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 very wishful thinking from those sort of Tories? Do you know, I I don't think that it is entirely. Obviously, they would quite like it to be the case. But Johnson proxies were briefing on Friday that there were many more resignations to come and that they were timed to be a sort of steady trickle in order to cause maximum damage. I mean, where are they? So far, we have only had Nadine Dorries and Nigel Adams, one on Friday afternoon and another on Friday evening. If they were trying to build momentum, that seems an awful long gap to leave, right? Yeah, it sounds like, you know, when, uh, you know, Nigel Farage over the weekend said he'd have 10 Tories that might join him for a new party. And I felt like he just chose that number because then no one can make the gag of saying that he could count the number on his hands, on his fingers. <laughs> so he just picked, he picked double di- digits purely for that. But yeah, where are these people? Do they, they just not exist anymore? I suspect it was the idea that some great wa- wave of solidarity for Johnson would emerge. That's what was wishful thinking. Because, as in everything else, organizing a coup takes a lot of hard work and preparation, which Johnson, I suspect, was not willing to put in. So again, like his failed leadership bid last summer, I think this is another one of those things that he thought that naturally, if the emperor declares his decision, loads of his, you know, his concubines will choose to be buried along with a pharaoh in the in the pyramid <laughs> and it just it just hasn't happened so so there is some evidence to support Shapps's notion that the world has moved on for the Tory party as ever is that Johnson has not moved on and he can still cause a lot of damage do you think we're going to hear more directly from Johnson this week or is it going to be the sort of sources close to which definitely aren't him and his allies saying loads of stuff I think that's linked to what I was saying. So it will depend on an assessment of whether he thinks there is enough of a wobble for a big push to make a difference, right? If he does, then he will make a meaningful heave, which means his direct involvement. If he doesn't, if he thinks the whole thing has fizzled out, he will just let Doris and Adams hang in the breeze and pretend rumors of his trying to organize a revolt were greatly exaggerated. And then maybe by Wednesday, they'll say that he's uh, he's broke his silence of 48 hours when he does a, a massive interview with The Spectator or something like that. Alex, should Sunak be at all worried? I mean, he should be worried if Johnson does any sort of deal with Farage and or reform, I think, which clearly is unlikely in my view, because those are two egos, two big to collaborate. That's my initial estimation. They'd have to both be really quite desperate for that to happen. As it stands, I mean, the level of loyalty required for an MP to chuck in more than a year's worth of salary 
on the altar of solidarity for Johnson <laughs> is very, very deep, right? Even for someone who thinks they're going to lose their seat next election. And I don't think Johnson is someone who inspires deep loyalty. He inspires enthusiasm and amusement that he mistakes for loyalty, but not loyalty. And so the only thing uh, that I think would completely change the calculus is if he did some kind of deal with an existing party, because then MPs loyal to him could sort of cross the aisle. They could say, I'm in solidarity with Johnson, I'm joining that party, especially MPs who know they're probably going to lose their constituency in the next election. They can just go and collect their paycheck from across the aisle and create a big drama with very little risk to themselves, really. So so I think that's what Sunak should be watching out for. Might Sunak be concerned that he doesn't attract that much loyalty himself either? If it's all sort of splits apart and it lo- does look like there's chaos and it looks like he isn't this sensible person who can keep the party together in any sort of way, you know, could this split a third way? Is that a, a risk that he potentially he runs there? No, I think I think so close to an election, a serious revolt would require some kind of galvanizing figure behind it. And if that's not Johnson, I really can't think who it might be. On that note of an election, is Starmer this week now looking looking forward to that, going to keep banging the, the election drum? Oh, God, yes. I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> every every time something like this happens, it gives him the opportunity to say they can keep repainting the front of the shop, but behind the facade is the same dysfunction that gave you the recent years of chaos. And the only way to get rid of it, the only way to true stability is to remove these people from office. These are not serious politicians anymore. And to be honest, he would have a point, Right. Yeah. Because Johnson is is trying to fight a sort of final battle earlier than it would naturally occur. The big war will happen after the Conservatives lose the next election. And Johnson is trying to precipitate that. So you have someone inside that party actively trying to bring the party down from government so that he can have another go at the leadership. Because... He sees himself, and he probably, for good reason, sees himself as someone who would make an exceptionally good leader of the opposition. That is Johnson's natural position, right? It's not prime minister. It's heckling from the sidelines. He would be amazing at that. He would be a real thorn in Starmer's side if he were just simply able to stand there and criticize everything and promise stuff that he will never have to deliver. But there is a tension there inside the the Tory party, and it is of Johnson's making. The Tory party has always had sort of three dominant tribes, right? First, the the one-nation, socially liberal, droit de seigneur responsible Tories. Then the socially conservatives, more right-wing, eurosceptics, xenophobes, etc. And then third, the ultra-capitalist fiscal hawks, who have people sympathetic to one or the other of the two social camps, as it were, but ultimately were defined by tax policy above any social stuff. Three legs are more stable than two. 
Johnson largely purged the party of its most calming leg, the One Nation Tories. He thought that would give him total control. Instead, it created the conditions for for full-on war and chaos. So all of this, I think, bizarrely, goes back to the decision of Boris Johnson to evict a large number of people who revolted on the Brexit deal and to pack the party with people who were uh, loyal to the Brexit cause. And that, I think, created a massive lopsidedness within the party, which is what is now destabilizing it. So, Alex, Labour chose a perfect time to water down their green energy pledge, with the Johnson news knocking that completely out of focus. Will there be more fallout from that this week? Um, no, I don't think so. There will be attempts to do that, but they will fail because, you know, Johnson is on the scene. And if if Johnson does one thing well, is he sucks the oxygen out of anything else going on around him, and all of it will go to fuel the Johnson drama. I mean, MPs appearing on the news on on the Johnson thing have tried to switch the focus back on Labour, but simply speaking, nobody's interested. Well, you know, it's like appearing on the news on fire and trying to make some kind of rational point. Yes, but look at the other side. They're also doused with petrol. No one wants to know. Is that a bit of a secular problem for Starmer, do you think, though, this sort of, you know, he's going to keep banging the election drum, as we mentioned, because, of course, why wouldn't he? But then a criticism of him is that he doesn't have that much of a, a policy platform that people are aware of now. But then with what is going on with the Conservatives, he has to be in this kind of constant campaign mode, it feels like, which distracts from that. Is there a bit of a catch-22 there for when we do come up to an election that there is still that moment to say, well, I don't know what he's all about? Because what he has been all about is pushing against the Tories. I'm not sure. I mean, if this if this sort of thing keeps going on in the Tory party, this is just dream news for Starmer, really, because it will just make people vote tactically and decimate the Tory party. Not just, you know, if, if the Tories keep doing what they're doing, Keir Starmer could turn up naked at a press conference and start reciting a poem and nobody will care. People will still vote to get the Tories out of government. I genuinely think that. The antipathy they're generating by this constant, constant drama is so intense that getting this government out is becoming well, has been the priority for millions of people for a long time and is just increasingly the priority of loads of people who are in the centre and are floating voters because they just don't want this. And it will act in a, weirdly in a very similar way to how Brexit brought together this, this sort of ragtag constituency for Johnson that voted him into power, right? Because a lot of people, even on the Remain side, were just tired of the constant drama. And so the promise to get Brexit done was very attractive to loads of people, regardless of what they thought of Johnson. And so I think that a similar thing will happen. Effectively, the the top priority for people going into an election will be for this daily shit show to just stop, to return to things being in the second and third and fourth page of the newspaper rather yeah. than splashed on the front page every single day of the week. 
I think Keir Starmer naked and doing keepy uppies would be more on brand other than the poetry. But uh, <laughs> yes. despite that, I uh, I agree with you for the most part. Uh, sticking with one last point on uh, on domestic news, Sturgeon was arrested on Sunday. She was later released without charge. Can we expect more from the the whole SNP finance drama this week? I'm not sure. Look, we have to be very careful since this whole affair is effectively sub judice. But it is also true to say that it has been very slow moving so far. So I think expecting developments this week might be optimistic. The the investigating authority there has been very slow and deliberate. And so I would expect something in the next few weeks, but not necessarily in the next few days. I mean, politically, on that I can say a bit more, this is a disaster for the SNP. The transition from Sturgeon was always going to be an exceptionally tricky period for the Scottish National Party. And they really needed a following wind to sort of weather it. And they've had the opposite. They've had lots of big drama. But my heart breaks for people who are invested in the cause of Scottish independence, you know, on which I know people have incredibly strong views and emotional involvement, because this ultimately hurts that project, because the two were so inexorably linked. And And I think the cause of Scottish independence may take many years to recover from this. So now we've done Boris Johnson, so let's do Trump. Oh no. (laughs) Alex, practically, what is going to happen on Tuesday when he's in this courtroom and what will it all what will it all look like? If you can paint a bit of a picture for me of the, the scenario. Okay, so Trump has been charged with 37 criminal counts, including mishandling classified documents, obstruction of justice. The indictment was unsealed, as they say in America, on on Friday afternoon. So those charges were made public. And some of the evidence on which the prosecution relies um, was in those papers. And it's pretty gobsmacking, to be honest. It is quite extraordinary you know, we're not talking about a couple of documents that ended up in his brief briefcase by mistake, and we're not talking about some accidental thing. We're talking about boxes and boxes and boxes of documents stored in his sort of uh, Florida residence and then moved several times to evade having to hand them back after he was given every opportunity to hand them back, and this case would probably have gone no further, he asked people to move them and move them and move them again. He's caught on, they're caught on camera, and he's caught on tape saying that he has them and he shouldn't have them. And he even moved them once to evade his own lawyers who wanted to <laughs> certify a statement to the National Archives that they had handed everything back. And, and he moved them to hide them even from his own lawyers. So he knew they were top secret. He knew they weren't declassified. He knew he had them, and he actively tried to avoid handing them back even when caught. I have heard no legal expert say anything other than if any other public official had done what Trump has done, 
they would already be in the deepest, darkest dungeon for many, many years to come, all right? So he's being handled with kit gloves. So what happens next? On Tuesday, tomorrow, Trump is likely to surrender himself to the FBI. They have a field office in Miami. It is not close to the federal court. There is a question whether he will be fingerprinted and have a, a, a mugshot taken at the field office or whether it will be in the at the courthouse before appearing, like what happened in New York. He's expected to plead not guilty, of course. And after that arraignment, he will probably be released pending his next court appearance. I can't see circumstances in which he's basically considered a flight risk. I love with uh, with Trump that you will see all of this all of this information will you know be read out in court and obviously you know it's right that he will have his chance to to say his side of things there yeah. but you just know his side of things will just be no like <laughs> someone says all of this stuff and he just goes no nah, I didn't do that that didn't happen and you just uh, that will be it. L- listen Jacob that is his lawyer's dream that that's what <laughs> will happen okay But that's not what will happen. What will happen is that in court, his lawyers will respond for him. He will say nothing. He will just sit there gurning like a pounce of Mussolini. And then he will do some rally and say loads of stuff that is hugely (laughs) damaging and probably against an order that the court has made for him not to say stuff like that and end up in contempt of court and end up... Uh, strengthening the prosecution case, because that's what he does. Trump's former attorney general, Bill Barr, has said that if even half of the charges are true, then he's toast. This is not going to go well for him. And I think he knows it's not going going to go well for him. And so despite his claiming that he wants a very speedy trial and a very speedy resolution... I think you will see the absolute opposite. I think you will see his defense team trying to lengthen proceedings, trying to basically make the prosecution go past the next election, because if he is selected as the the Republican candidate, and if he does win the election, then everything changes after that, right? Well, the Republicans have been so sensible for the last few years. So, you know, there's hope. I suppose (laughs) there is hope there. Finally, moving on to uh, the Ukraine situation, just to just to mention the latest on that. Uh, So Zelensky has been speaking about the counteroffensive, which has been going on. What is the what's the latest in the situation from there? So on Saturday, Zelensky finally confirmed that the counteroffensive had begun. We've had news this morning that Ukraine says it has liberated uh, several villages in the southeast of the country. So looking at the map, what they're effectively trying to do is make their way to the sea so that they cut off the Crimean Peninsula from the rest of the area that the Russians control, and that really would be a massive uh, success, a massive win for the Ukrainian army. So we've seen some footage on social media of Ukrainian troops celebrating in uh, Blahodatne and Neskuchne in the Donetsk region. A defense minister has said the the nearby village of Makarivka um, Mm. was also taken. And we'll see how it proceeds. We, we've we not had uh, yet a, a sort of statement from the Russian side. 
specifically saying what is going on. They're, of course, denying that they've lost any area. But there's some. There's, there's also some interesting uh, stuff going on with the Wagner Group. Yeah, what's happening there? So Russia is basically trying to take control of it. They're trying to take direct control of this mercenary group, the Wagner Group, that's led by Yevgeny Prigozhin, who is a sort of a war butcher, but also a political rival of Putin, or at least has emerged recently as a political yeah. rival of Putin. And so they're trying to get what they're calling volunteer formations to sign contracts directly with the Ministry of Defense. So to say that you're employed by us, that's made Prigozhin furious. I don't know exactly how that will shake out, but it seems to me that a victorious side does not tend to argue amongst itself during the battle. And these kind of squabbles would indicate to me a side that is very worried about its prospects of success. Alex, thank you for joining me this morning. My pleasure. Listeners, if you enjoyed Start Your Week, remember you can back the bunker on Patreon to help us keep making it. For £3 a month, you'll get episodes early and ad-free, as well as a shout-out on this show. Here's Alex with today's. Huge thanks on this glorious warm Monday morning to Jason Hunt, Lucy Harold, and Neonite. Thanks, Alex. And listeners, whilst I've got your attention, a reminder that Podmasters has launched a new show called Paper Cuts. Hosted by Miranda Sawyer and featuring a smorgasbord of comedians and commentators, the show tears apart the eccentricities of the British media, from wars on woke to wars against seagulls. It's out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Here's a taster. Of course, as a woman, I have noticed what I should wear. This is the one that I really love. When I go to the airport... <laughs> I should forget me tracky. I should be wearing matchy matchy at the airport and heels. And uh, this, I'm just going to quote you here, is from the fashion editor Anna Murphy, who has spent a lot of time in airports recently. She's got a strange phenomenon to report people are dressing up. I was in an airport just the other day. People are not Absolutely dressing. Rubbish. And I not wear clothes to go to the airport. Yeah. yeah, but are you wearing tailoring and heels? No. No, frankly not. I mean, this is a report, I think, from the BA Gold Lounge yeah, at Heathrow. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Heathrow Terminal Who 5. heels at drinking their airport pint at 7am? Well, it's absolutely... <laughs> anyway, now I know what I should be wearing. And obviously, next time I come to Paper Cuts, I will be in silver jeans, white, wearing sunglasses yeah. and a smock frock and heels. Fantastic. <laughs> Look forward that. to it. That's your Glastonbury outfit sorted. I'll see you at Shangri-La at 4am. <laughs> That's Paper Cuts, out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Go check out the full show if you enjoyed it. And thank you again for joining us to start your week. There's another bunker out tomorrow. Start Your Week from the Bunker was written and presented by Jacob Jarvis and Alex Andreu. And the producer was Liam Tate with audio production by me, Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson, The Bunker is a Podmasters production.